title of my message this morning is The Believer's Surrender. Uh, I hear and have always heard that all my life about surrendering to the Lord. And uh, it's a very important time in a believer's life uh, to surrender to the Lord. And uh, in my heart, like a lot of you, I want to live out God's purpose for my life uh, like the Apostle Paul did. Uh, Paul, he said, I, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And that's our heart's desire. But how many of you know that there are trials and temptations and battles and wars that you have to go through in order to get there, right? And so it's a real battle to stay faithful to the Lord all the way to the end. And we have our ups and our downs, but I'm always grateful that God is faithful. But like you, I don't want to live a secret, passive, unimpactful Christian life. Uh, I truly desire, I want my life to influence other people uh, for God's glory. And I'm sure that you do too. Uh, Paul said it this way in Colossians 1, 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And Paul is praying that for his people, and I pray that for our people also. Here's my question to you. You today, what if God had a plan for your life, a new journey he wanted you to take, not associated with your past? Would you be willing, would you be ready to do that? Most people would say, well, you know, where is he leading me? Or they might say, well, what does he want me to do? That's called conditional surrender. I will if... <laughs> I know what's happening and I want to be in charge and so on. And that's the way a lot of people go. God's desire for you and for me is he wants us to surrender in faith to him, to trust him what he says in his word. He wants our hearts to be willing to surrender, available to surrender. He wants us to come to the point, here I am, Lord, whatever your will is for my life, it is yes. And it only happens when we surrender to God does that journey begin. I think a good example would be uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, now get this, not knowing whether he went. He didn't know what God had planned for him. He just followed what the Lord said. And the amazing thing to me about that is, I don't believe Abraham was saved until Genesis 15. It's when he believed that righteousness was given to his account. And that happened in, Acts, er, in Genesis 15. So here we have an individual person who's being drawn, moved by God, but still is not in faith yet. But he still goes, not knowing where he's going to go. So if a lost person can do that, don't you think we saved people can do that? 
since we know the word and the law and his word and his journey for us, God desires for us to just say, here's my life. Too often what happens, we get settled in our life. We become comfortable, our routine as a believer. We really don't want to challenge. We don't want to change. We have no aspirations, not much spiritual responsibility. We might have gone to church, helped a little here, helped a little there. Actually, many people don't do any of that. But our lives are okay. Our lives are comfortable. They're safe. They're familiar. But we're not wanting anything to change or to cause us to have to take a chance. I remember when Kara and I took off many years ago to go to school. When we left, we left going out in that moving truck to go down to Chattanooga, Tennessee, not knowing what was going to happen, never seen the place we were going to try to rent from somebody there. Going out, leaving, breaking our friendships with people in a sense. All those ties would not be around us. Going out the driveway in tears, but trusting God that God had a reason for us to be doing this. And we didn't know what, but we just trusted God. And that's what God wants us to do. God just wants us to trust his will for our life so that we can live for him and something that will eternally count for him. I wrote this down. Our journey for God is dependent upon the depth of our surrender to him. Let me say that again. Our journey for God is dependent upon our depth of our surrender to him. You might say, Lord, I'm just an ordinary, common person. The world even calls me a loser, foolish, degenerate. But Lord, here I am. If you can, use me, Lord. That's all God wants to hear from you. Paul often used his own testimony, and especially around religious people. He was comfortable with religious people. That's what he was saved out of. He knew what he was talking about. Myself, I'm one of those foolish ones. I'm one of those debased ones in life for some reason God chose. But when we surrender, I've learned that God can work and change any individual person's life if they'll just surrender to him. My salvation, I look at it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometime in the picture when you come to Christ, the voices of the world and the flesh and the devil, they quieten down some way, and you hear then the word of God that brings faith to your soul. There's a drawing there that you see your lost condition, but then you see Jesus Christ and him, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. It's, it's enough, it's sufficient to save you. And you put your faith in Christ. Have you ever done that, by the way? If you were to die that moment, where would you go? Would you go to hell or would you go to heaven? That question is the most important question of mankind, is it not? Then I think of my burden to be used. I wanted to be used by God. I, I, I knew if I just sit on a pew, I would become 
bored, and probably go back in the world. I needed something to make me accountable and get involved with. And I remember the first soul that I ever led to Christ. And uh, I'll never forget it. But I, I realized something there, that God could even use somebody like me. And that changed my life. And it doesn't matter who you are. God can use you if you place yourself in position to be used by God. And that comes through surrendering to God. I remember my surrender to the Lord. And by the way, in your life, I'm sure it happens multiple times, does it not? There are many times that it's special and God speaks to your heart and you yield to him once again. That happens to all of us. But then when you surrender to God, then you're more in the word of God. And the more you're in the word of God, the more growth you begin to display in your life. Is that not true? I've given this list, but this is all I know. This is my experience. I remember I, I used to have a nasty habit called smoking. And I uh, always wondered why Carol's mom says, oh, it's good to see you kids and your stinking dad. <laughs> I never know I stunk with smoke. You don't know that when you smoke. You know, and you walk in, you throw some gum in your mouth, you think nobody smells. Boy, you got a rude awakening if you ever quit. Smells like rotten eggs all over you. You walk by and you go. <laughs> I almost blew my nose right there. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember reading 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Then it states, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I began to realize I couldn't be a good testimony if I smoked. Matter of fact, when I go out and talk to lost people about, about receiving Christ, they would always say, well, I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going to stop smoking. Then I'll get, you see, they were associating smoking with being lost. Isn't that amazing? So I knew that if I'm a Christian, some people would get the idea that I'm not a Christian just by that. And so anyway, God helped me quit. It was tough. Even sometimes today, after a big meal, I like to have a cigarette every now and then. I don't smoke, okay? But I'm just saying, the urge is there. It's an amazing thing how it gets in your system and there's just something about it after a meal, right? I, I've, I've had meals with certain guys, and after the meal, they couldn't wait to get out in their trunk to have a smoke. <laughs> it's funny. I remember my simple habits. You know the verse as well, Ephesians 4, 22 and following, that you put off concerning the former behavior, conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, then you can, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I had a lot of sinful habits in my life, but as I got in the word of God, because I've surrendered, I want what God says, I begin to read his word, and I begin to see he wants me to change my life. He wants me to put off the old sinful habits, renew my mind in his word, and then put on the new 
Christian habits. That's what God wants us for. It's not good enough just to stop, is it? You can't just stop something. You have to replace it. Or you'll, it won't be long, you'll be doing it again, right? And so he was teaching me that. I, I, I remember about my marriage. I read in the Bible, uh, Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. When I, I never had a father figure in my life. And I, I, Carol and I were, I didn't know how to solve a problem. I thought the only way to solve problems is go to the bedroom. That's some of you right now. <laughs> well, you're older, some of you, I guess not. But anyway, I... Because <laughs> you, you'd be close then, right? And that helps the problem. No, the problem gets bigger. And so... 1 Peter 3, 7 says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, unto the weaker vessel. That means gentler, gentler. She's Gentile, vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. God says it's your responsibility, Jim, to know all you can about your wife. How can you ever meet her needs if you don't know what her needs are? And so you begin to yield to that, and you begin to grow there. And then my friend, 2 Corinthians 6.14, says this here. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness. In other words, God says, Jim, you need to ditch your old friends. I'm sorry. Those friends that will pull you down. And when you begin to do that, you begin to see a difference in your life. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You have to be going in the same direction if you want to grow as a believer. I remember after I was first saved, I loved my family dearly. But I enjoyed being around Christians more than my own family at that time because we had a bond immediately. It's called Christ. And so uh, I began to learn about my friends, to run with the proper people. And then God's house. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, Flee also youthful lust, by, uh, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. You see, the church is where you can serve and use the talents that God gave you. The church is where you're responsible. The church is where you're accountable. The church is where you fellowship. You can watch us online all you want, but there's nothing like being in church and talking with people face to face, regardless of what's going on with COVID today. That's why people are so depressed. They're alone. In some way, they need to get out and, and get back in the house of God and go forward for God. Amen? That's not very strong. Say amen. And then there's my trials and difficulties. 
We know that all things work together for good and so on. What's the purpose of that? Verse 29 of Romans 8. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God's working these things out so we become more like Jesus Christ. I don't like trials. I don't like difficulties. How about you? You just jump in that, oh boy, another difficulty, another trial. Let her rip. <laughs> Amen. First Corinthians 10, 13 says this. There hath no temptation, trial taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able to bear. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God promises us, it might look bad right now, but he won't overload us. He'll not put so much on, on us that we can't bear it. He knows how far we can go. And he loads us up. Sometimes I say, God, are you sure about this? But I find out in those circumstances, he's always faithful. And then I think of my failures. My failures have been many. Romans 5.20, though, as you study the word of God, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I'm grateful for the grace of God today. That regardless of how many times I've stumbled and had to get up and, you know, dust the, the dirt off, God's been there. He says, did you learn anything? Okay, let's go. Amen? Then I think about my beliefs. You can't get your beliefs outside of the Word of God. You get in the Word and you study it. In Acts 17, 11, Paul said that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word, of, the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Were so. They were questioning the Apostle Paul. That's amazing. They were questioning him. The one who wrote 13 books out of the New Testament. But yet they wanted to make sure what he was saying was according to Scripture. 2 Timothy 2.15 was a life changer. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's been an enlightenment that has blessed me over and over these last few years. Now, through the whole process, my development, I've learned this, that when I, I'm surrendered to the Lord, it's during those moments that I can go forward doing the Lord's will for my life. It's when I'm surrendered. And I've learned that when I do surrender, no question about it, there are some battles. Yes, there will be darts from the devil shooting at us. The devil doesn't want us to go all out for God. And he attacks us, and he attacks us, and he's shrewd, and he's ruthless. But thanks God, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Yes, we will lose some supposedly friends. You see, when you get on fire for God, they fear that fire that you have for God. 
because it convicts them. It makes them feel uncomfortable. And the reason they feel uncomfortable is they're carnal. And you're on fire for God. And some friends just can't handle that. Yes, we'll have to fight our flesh to say no to it. And the way that we do that, we have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And yes, we'll need to start praying, start having Bible study in our own life to learn what God's will is. And prayer and Bible study, they are the lifelines of the child of God. If you don't pray and you don't study, You'll never know what the will of God is, let alone try to do the will of God. It's so important. But thank God, eventually, we begin to mature, grow, understand, have a desire, enjoy our relationship with God, with the church, with other Christians, and God's ways. Because then we're doing it with our heart. You know, sometimes people, they try to live the Christian life out of duty, I have to, I must, they want me to. But there's a metamorphosis that takes place in the person who surrenders to God. You go from flesh control to spirit control. And it goes then to your heart. Then we do the things of God, not because we have to, but because we want to. And that's what God wants from you and he wants from me. And my light's going out, praise God. I'm just going to turn it off. Lights went out last week. They're trying to do it to me this week, amen. Paul says to us right now, and I'm coming down the stretch. Romans chapter 12, if you have that in your Bibles, I'm going to use this, these verses often here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Notice, Paul says this in Romans 12, 1, I. The one who's speaking here is the great apostle Paul. Remember, he's the former Saul of Tarsus, the former zealot, haters of Jesus' followers, persecutors of those little flock. But Paul had an encounter with Christ. And it changed his life. And he did write 13 books of the New Testament. He wrote more scripture than anybody else who wrote scripture. And Paul says this, I beseech. He's saying, coming from love, I'm appealing, I'm urging, I'm begging, I'm wanting to persuade you about something. He's not just making a little request. It's with all his heart. And then he says, you. When he says you, it's personal, it's individual. You know, I believe this all my heart. The reason Paul's begging so hard, Paul knows the potential that is in every child of God if they are willing to surrender to God. He knows what can happen in that person's life. And then he says, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, whether something previous to that. Well, we know chapters 9 through 11 is an insert. 
So it refers back to chapter 8 of Romans. And what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. And so he's saying because from start to finish, Christ's love will be with you every step of the way. And then he says, brethren, that's the qualification to surrender. That's a prerequisite. You have to be a person who's come to the realization that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. But you heard the gospel message that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And you put your faith in what Christ has done. Not just intellectually, but you let it go in your heart. What he did is for me. Not just for me. Because I was the sinner. I am the sinner, and I'm believing him and his work. And when you do that, then you become one of the brethren. When you believe in the gospel, God says he quickens you. He makes you alive in your relationship with God. And I say to you here, if you're not saved here, and you're here this morning... What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The world is nothing compared to your soul because your soul is eternal. And God wants to eternally guarantee it to go to heaven. But you have to go by the way of the cross through Jesus Christ. Amen? And then he says there in verse 1, by the mercies of God. He said, here's the reason you should surrender. The reason is, the basis we should surrender is, we've received so much when we've deserved so little. The word mercy means God's had pity on us. Compassion. He's not given us what we truly deserve. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God hadn't given us what we deserve? And then he says in verse 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice he says okay i want you to give your life now i gave my life for you now you give your life for me it's a fair trade second corinthians chapter five i believe it is says this and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again God says, I've done the most amazing, remarkable thing that's ever been done in eternity. God died for mankind. Not God, but Jesus Christ, the physical part. He died for our sins on that cross and rose again. Now, since I've done that, you should live for me at least. Amen? And then notice what he says there. When we do that, we're in position, holy, acceptable unto God. That means now we can live the way Christ wants us to live. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Not sinless, but we do sin less. I sin less than I used to do before I ever got saved. Amen? And then he says... Which is your reasonable service? He said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about it. 
I want you to think about where I found you and what I've done for you. Now think that through. And think of what I went through on that cross for you. Is it not reasonable to ask you now to live for me? To not to be ashamed of my name? To be a good testimony? To grow in your faith? And then he says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's saying in that verse, get away from what you have allowed to control your life. What you have allowed to to program you, to mold you. Get away from this ungodly world. Get away from America's values. Go to God. Allow him to renew your mind and to work in your life. And if you're willing to surrender to him, he says he will work in you. In other words, God already lives inside of us if we're saved, but he will be activated. He will begin to do a work you can't believe. He says this in Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Colossians 1.29, he says this, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. When God begins to work in us, the supernatural begins to happen in us. We begin to put off and put on, and we become what God wants us to become. I'm 76 years old now. Somebody was saying, when are you going to retire? And uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you, I'm not retiring. Amen. I'm just going to keep on preaching. (laughs) Now, if my health calls for something, you know, we understand things like that. But I'm hoping that God keeps me strong. And bold for him. But even at my age, the other day I had a, I had a moment. I, I, I looked at my great-granddaughter I love very much. And I saw her and said, the odds are against that I'll ever see her, who she's going to date, who she marries, what's going to happen to her life. Just because of age. That broke my heart. I was... I was looking at her. I said, I'll never be able to see that unless the Lord prolongs and uh, gives me something for these aches and pains. (laughs) But even now, there are times I just have to say, God, I can't do this. God, I surrender to you. Your will for my life. And it doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. God wants your heart. And he wants you to surrender to his heart. And when we surrender to his heart, we become more like his son. And we're more effective in this dark world that we're living in. And boy, are we in a dark world. We really are. One of my favorite songs. I 
I loved it. Uh, learned it at Tennessee Temple. Learned it from Carol's dad. And by Dr. Weigel, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And it reminds me, it never gets old to me, why I surrender and want to surrender when I do wrong. He said, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. How can I not surrender to somebody like that? Father, we love you. Lord, in this world, we get attracted by the world, by the flesh, by temptations, and all these things. And there's a real cross-pull that takes place. But those individual people who say, I want to stay true to you, and they get in your word, and they pray, and they surrender, and you work in their life, they come forth as gold. They are the lights that this world needs to see. And I just pray with our people here at Grace Point, God, please move upon us. Help each and every one of us this morning just to say, God, here I am. I'm yours. Whatever you want from me, it's yours. I yield. I surrender. Start working. And we'll give you the glory for those who do that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.